You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. Today's guest created the role of Nina Rosario in the Tony Award-winning musical In the Heights. She has starred as Elphaba in Wicked, Amneris in Aida, and most recently as Angelica Schuyler in the smash hit Hamilton. She is the founder of the hashtag Fearless Squad, has a young adult novel coming out in April, and recently celebrated being breast cancer-free after undergoing surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, all while navigating life during the global pandemic. Here's our inspirational conversation with Mandy Gonzalez. I, well, I, I, I'm telling everyone where it is, when it is, but it's it is the morning. But hello, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Well, this is the time I think that um, moms kind of have a minute to themselves, like um, at least during the pandemic, uh, because I mean, even before the pandemic, because either you're dropping your kids off at school or your kids going for a nap or, you know, you just kind of have like a minute to yourself. So it makes sense that this is in the morning. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Like I remember before kids, I would never, you know, I remember, remember when 10 a.m. rehearsals were early and you're like, oh Oh, my God, totally. (laughs) I rehearsal at 10. And now by the time you go to a rehearsal at 10, you've already done, you've been up for like four hours. (laughs) Absolutely. You're having your like third or fourth cup of coffee, at least me, you know, it's definitely my, my thing, but it's so good to see you guys and listen to you guys, all that good stuff. It's so good to see Oh, yeah. We always talk about the life before a two show day, everything that you get done before you even walk into your first show of the day before a matinee when you're a mom. Oh, I know. I know. And it's so funny. Now I always call like, um, the younger folk in the show. I'm always like the kids, you know, they're, um, you know, the complaining cause, Oh, you had to get up at 11 and then do this. And you know, at first I'm just like, Oh, and then I just go, Oh, I remember. I remember that time sleep ins and yeah, that's just, it's, it stops. People tell you about it, but, um, they don't, you you don't really know until you're in it. Right. Exactly. Well, tell us about your daughter. We always ask people because, you know, we don't always talk about our children with regard to our industry and our careers. So will you tell us about your daughter? 
Sure. My daughter is um, the light of our lives. She is uh, nine years old uh, recently, just turned nine uh, during this crazy time. And she has just been, um, you know, when I decided to start to try to have a child, um, I never, I guess I never imagined um, it would be this amazing and cool. And I feel so lucky that uh, soon after trying, she was um, brought into the world and um, she's just been everything like my, my buddy, my heart. And uh, she's so fun and she teaches me so much on a daily basis, um, especially during this time of the pandemic and being home all the time. You know, that's something that is very new for me because before the pandemic, um, you know, I was doing eight shows a week uh, for three years at Hamilton where I was playing Angelica Schuyler. And so I didn't have, you guys know, I didn't have bedtimes. Um, I would see her in the mornings on two show days. And that was my only time with her, you know, was walking her to school. So this has been really nice to have time with her and to, um, I just watch her grow like on a daily basis and all of her little things that happen, you know, um, during school. And so I started, um, a pod with three other families, um, in the same grade. And, you know, it was very, I guess we had to be very strict about everything. We made not a con a serious contract, but a, a sort of contract that, you know, we were the only people that you would see. And um, it was really great uh, for that short time that we were able to make it happen. And then numbers started going up and we felt that it was just safer for everybody to, um, to kind of go back to being on their own. And so really just seeing her on her own every day. And you guys know it's, um, it's incredible and it's, it's hard, you know, she is uh, a third grader and it's, uh, you know, hard for me, but now this is her norm. So she's very, um, adapt, adapted to yeah. this, this style of learning and she has incredible teachers and, you know, I don't know how they do it, but I just, um, I applaud them and she's a Girl Scout. So we do Girl Scout meetings on the weekends. And um, and so we've just been having a really great time together um, doing everything. And I, I really, you know, this was a really, really big year for our family, uh, to say the least, um, for the world, but um, for our family in particular with so many different things happening. And so it was really nice to have this time to just kind of be together and check in and and see how she's doing, you know, because she's um, she's a very strong kid. So she's pretty much the best. Oh, I love that. It's always my favorite when we ask our guests to talk about their kids because everybody just lights up when they talk about their their babies. So, well, absolutely. It's just, um, you know, the reason you get up that extra, um, the extra hour before <laughs> so you can make the coffee, at least for me, so I can, you know, have a cup of coffee. Everything revolves around coffee and then, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, be ready for her. So I yeah. get, you know, my exercise in now that it's gotten colder, I haven't been doing as much running, but, um, I've, I definitely try to do like some stretching and, and things like that. Some time for myself before, um, before it all begins yes, and then right. it becomes about everybody else. And yeah. that's okay. It's essential. Yeah. 
Well, you kind of, you touched on it a little bit talking about how this has been a really big year for your family. And if you're okay Mm -hmm. for us to just dive right into this, we actually were scheduled to record with you back in November, December of last year. And you, you, you know, sent a text saying, you know, I've got a lot going on, something, you know, dealing with some things. Something has come up and I, and I can't. And then it was, and then we realized once you announced in January, your diagnosis, we realized, I bet that was when that moment was because it was October, November. Mm -hmm. Um, That's exactly when it was. Whenever um, something happened in the past year, if I I haven't gotten back or, and I feel terrible because I'm usually a a person that gets back right away and all those things. I, I just have to be honest and say, look, um, I'm sorry that we haven't talked, um, but at this time, this was going on. And and I think once I um, did come out with my diagnosis of um, stage one breast cancer in January, it made it a lot easier. Um, first of all, it's very hard to come out and start telling people uh, publicly when you're somebody who's in the public eye, um, because it is something very personal. But I noticed that when I started to open up and be honest about my diagnosis, that um, not to be honest, because I I think I've always been honest, but to just be open about it, I felt um, a certain kind of healing and power um, within my own journey. And so I feel very comfortable talking about it now and also letting people know that this has been going on. and, And so... Last year, October 22nd, um, you know, I was not a big uh, person that uh, advocated for my own self-care. I would advocate for that for everybody except for myself. I think sometimes um, when you're a mom, you're last on your list. And um, that definitely was the case for me. And I was doing eight shows a week and I was writing a book and I was doing just a lot of different things that I wanted to achieve. And self-care was on the last, um, on the bottom of my list. And then my husband said, you know, you need to put yourself um, first. You need to start, you know, caring for yourself. And thank God he did because I felt through his guilt <laughs> and through my own guilt, <laughs> I, um, I made my yearly appointment to go see my OB. And she was, you know, she was wonderful because she saw me at that time. It wasn't pandemic, so she could see me pretty fast. And I went in for my regular checkup and she asked me if I wanted to get a mammogram because I was now 40 and um, it doesn't run in my family. So it's really my, it's really an option if I want to get that or not. And I said, well, yeah, I want to get one. And I, so she set up an appointment and I went and I got, um, a mammogram. So that happened last April and they saw something in the mammogram, um, that they needed me to come back. And so I went back and they said it was going to be six months later. And again, my life just got busy. I forgot about that next appointment. And all of a sudden, six months later, there was this thought in my mind, like, I think I have to go back for that six month appointment, but maybe it wasn't a big deal. So maybe I don't have to go back. Um, And at that time that they told me to come back, they said it's because I had dense breasts. And so I was in a two show day and I called my mom and I said, 
you know, they want me to come back. What does this mean? I have dense breasts. And she's like, oh, Mandy, I have dense breasts. Like, don't worry about it. And of course, that's something that's never been talked about in my family. But I said, well, okay. So I didn't feel too concerned. But six months had passed. I thought maybe they it wasn't a big deal. So I don't need to go back. All of a sudden, I got a letter in my mailbox that said, it's been six months. You need to come back. So I went back in on October 22nd and I had another mammogram on that side, but all of a sudden it was different. They started to come in and do more um, images of this on my right side. They did a 3D mammogram and the thing that I, one thing that I remember and that I hate is that the particular place that I had my mammograms, um, they put you in a pink robe. And so I don't know, like I was always, I always felt like pink was this empowering color. But at that time I just felt like, what is this? Like scarlet letter pink, like now what does this mean? And so I was just annoyed, like having to be in this pink robe. Anyway, I've changed my mind about pink since then. But (laughs) then um, they had me do an ultrasound after that. And the ultrasound technician was so friendly and so nice. And she had three kids and we started talking. And then after she was done, you know, it just took a long time. And after she was done, she said, I don't want you to be alarmed, but they did find something and um, they want to check it out, but don't be alarmed. I've been doing this a long time. I don't think it's cancer, nothing like that. So immediately I started crying and I was completely freaked out. And then, um, the radiologist came in and she, and everybody was like, why are you crying? And then I, you know, automatically I think, well, I'm an emotional person. Like I'm an actor, you know, like I, I start feeling all these things that insecurities that I feel. And I go, well, you just told me like, you have to do a, um, a test to, to check out that I have a growth. And they said, you, we don't think it's anything, but you need to go and get a biopsy. So I said, okay, well, I want to get one now. Right. So I called my OB. And um, at that time, I had recently gotten her Hamilton tickets. <laughs> so I felt like we had a connection. And I said, can I get in today to get my biopsy? And so I met with, um, and that's one thing that I learned going through this is that there's a lot of people that become part of your team. You know, it's not just one doctor. It's everybody has, is a specialist. And so I then met with a breast surgeon at um, the particular place I had this uh, mammogram and biopsy. And she again said everything was going to be fine. There was, I didn't, there's no history. Um, we think it looks okay. And then as she left the room, she didn't look at me. And you know how that is when you go on an audition and you feel like everybody's looking at you or you make connection with one person and you're like, this, I got this person and I'm going to get this job. And then when you leave the room, they don't look at you again and you know you didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like it was that same feeling of they're not looking, she's not looking at me, something's wrong. And then we had to wait three days for the test results. And I remember going with my husband because we live in Jersey and it was my day off and we went to go get something to eat because we were like, let's just go get something to eat and we'll make a thing out of this, whatever. Then I got the call and the doctor had said, I'm sorry to say that the cells are cancerous. And my heart just dropped. Um, We were in complete shock. I don't remember a lot of that day other than 
just crying, um, having to call my mom. Um, and then just the immediate thought is what am I going to do, um, with my daughter? Like, how can this happen to me? And how is she going to grow up? Um, you know, cause immediate thought is, uh, the worst possible thought, you know, I'm an actor, I'm very imaginative. So my mind immediately went to the worst possible scenario. So my husband, and I'm not from a medical family, um, so I don't know a lot. You know, all I knew was, okay, this doctor's telling me this thing, and now I have to go into this meeting with her. And we went into the meeting, and this doctor told me, well, we do have some better news, uh, the fact that it's stage one, and that um, we caught it early. So had I not gone back within those six months, had I not gone to that first initial um, OBGYN appointment. Had I not said, yes, I want a mammogram, my life, who knows where I would be right now, you know? Um, but the one thing that they did find out is that um, they did this thing called an onc type test, which I didn't know about. And what this test does and why I'm a big proponent now for BCRF, uh, Breast Cancer Research Foundation, they have a test now that tests the DNA of the tumor. So to see how fast the tumor is growing and depending on your age and the number that you get from that test, it determines whether or not you're going to need chemotherapy or uh, whether or not you're going to need radiation. Some people get diagnosed with stage one and don't need um, chemotherapy because the oncotype test is low. And um, with my uh, test, my numbers were at a place where I was going to need chemotherapy and radiation as well as um, surgery. So I met with this doctor and my husband, who is from a medical family, said, okay, we're going to go get a second opinion. And I was like, well, why? The doctor said, we're doing this. Like, I don't understand why we have to do anything else. And he's like, well, I think we should. And thank God he did um, because I met my the woman who became my breast surgeon, who is Dr. Freya Schnabel at NYU Langone. And immediately when I went in, um, I just felt comfortable. I felt like um, she got me. She was not just because she was a big Broadway fan, but she um, she was just there was just something about her, you know, it was New York. It just felt so comfortable. It's where I had lived for so long. And, um, and she said, okay, I know your day off is Monday. So I'll come in on a Sunday and do your surgery. Like she was just <sighs> incredible. And, uh, that's really where my journey began with, mm -hmm. with that. And, um, the biggest, part that I remember was, you know, I'm very close with my, um, my Broadway community and, and I was very secretive about my diagnosis because I didn't want it to define me. I didn't want it to everybody to feel sorry for me because I'm a very, um, active person. And I also, um, I have a thing about fearlessness and wanting to, even though you feel fear, do it anyway. I just had to figure out how to, get there. You know what I mean? And that started when I told my best friends who are the core four plus one. And those are my friends from In the Heights, um, Karen Olivo, Janet DeCall, Andrea Burns, and Eliseo Roman. He's our plus one. And we met at the Cafe Edison um, because that 
which is no oh, longer the Cafe Edison. Oh, yeah. with oh. um, but we met there and, uh, and I told them that I had breast cancer and um, they said, okay, here we go. And they have been with me every step of the way. I walked into um, surgery at NYU Langone, which I had in November, and my surgeon made sure that I had it on a certain date because in two weeks I was going to be the vocalist for the Philly Pops, and I was like, I have to do that. I've been working so hard, and you know, it's just crazy the things that go through your mind. Yeah. And she was like, Don't worry, you'll be able to do it, and I did. But when I walked through those doors, you know, my friend Andrea said, Look for the angels. And Janet was waiting for me, you know, with, um, with coffee, even though I couldn't drink it, she had her coffee and then <laughs> walked in and it was just like, I wasn't alone. My husband was with me the whole time, but it was really nice to also have my, my core there. And, um, and then it was like, okay, here we go. And, and then I started, um, is this, do you guys want to say anything? I feel like I, I'm a big You're doing talker. exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, Thank okay. you. <laughs> and then, um, so then I, I finished my Philly Pops. I got back into the show. And at, at the show, I had told my stage manager and my director, Tommy Kale, who was also my director of um, In the Heights, who are people that feel like family. Yeah, you um, guys, y'all have all been like, there's that core group. Yeah, yeah, super tight. And so I knew that they would keep it to themselves. And also I needed that support, you know, and I needed the time off to, Hey, I need surgery and I need these things. And, um, they just said, okay, whatever you need. And then I started chemo, um, at the beginning of this year in January. And I thought, well, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. I'll just keep doing eight shows a week. And I'm, I'm fearless. Like nothing's going to stop me. And I started to do that. And then my body was like, no, you're human. And I was right. like, wait, what? I'm human? Like, what is that? And, um, you know, the different, everybody's body is different when it comes to chemotherapy. Um, I felt very lucky because I got to start my chemo um, with my husband by my side. Uh, now through the pandemic, so many people have to go alone and I can't, it just breaks my heart. Like I can't imagine having to go through that, not having your, partner there, your friend there. Um, it's a very lonely feeling. And so when that started in January, I was able to have him there. My stage manager came to one of my appointments and then I felt like I was ready to let people know because I was going to have to miss shows. I couldn't do two shows in a day. My body just couldn't handle it. And so I came out and I was so nervous. I remember talking to, um, one of my friends in the show, Thane Jasperson, and and just saying like crying and being like, I have this thing, and I said I was going to do it, but now I'm afraid. And and then when it was out, it was out, and I felt so much love from my community. I felt so much love from the breast cancer community, and I felt like um, it was the best thing that I could have done was to come out publicly. And then. Um, I kept going for chemotherapy and then I started to hear little rumors about um, a pandemic, um, about coronavirus um, going through chemotherapy. It's like your immune system is so compromised, but nobody was that alarmed. Um, I was doing my chemotherapy. I went to an oncologist uh, at uh, MSK at Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, that was another second opinion doctor who I just also just 
loved uh, Dr. Larry Norton. Um, he's been my oncologist and wonderful. And, you know, there were rumors around the hospital, but nobody was really that concerned. Everybody's like, well, we're going to have a meeting this weekend, but, you know, it's still okay for you to have people there. Within the following week, it was like, you can't have guests anymore. Um, then you have to wear a mask. And it was terrifying because nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew how contagious this was. Um, the show was still happening. And I remember March 11th, um, there was an usher in a nearby theater that got it. And that was reported to the news. And all of a sudden it was like everything shut down, Yeah, you know, and I didn't know how I was going to get into MSK to do chemotherapy. You know, I was still in the beginning of it. And so I I couldn't stop. You know, you have a schedule when it comes to chemotherapy and mine was every other week. And so, you know, no longer could my child go to school. Um, no longer could we have her with her babysitter. So for that next appointment after Broadway shut down, I had to bring her and I had to tell the doctor, I have to bring her in the room with me because I don't have anywhere for her to go. I, you know, and I don't want them waiting in the car because there was, it was just so scary, you know? So she came in and, you know, trying to protect her from what I have to go through, um, during cancer was out the door because all of a sudden she was there and she had to see it and I couldn't, there was nothing I could do about it. It was, um, it really sucked, (laughs) you know, that really sucks. Um, but she did it and she was so strong and so brave. And she reminded me of what kids think about like, oh, what's that? And what is that? And, you know, that's kind of cool. And can I go to the bathroom or, you know, can I see what this looks like? You know, so it made me feel like this is okay. Like she's okay. And then all of a sudden I couldn't go into New York anymore. My doctor no longer was at the hospital because he was over 70. So doctors weren't allowed to be there over 70. So I switched my, um, thank God MSK has a medical facility in New Jersey. I switched the rest of my chemo treatments to New Jersey. And, um, it was so lonely, honestly, like having to walk in with a mask and a shield, everything, and then gloves, you know, you just were freaked out. And then everybody that is with you, also has a mask. You can no longer, um, talk to your nurses. Um, it's just very, it's very isolating, but I have to say that the nurses at MSK, they know that you're scared and I don't know like what they look like without like a mask on, but they couldn't have been more wonderful to me. And, um, Again, my core four was on a Zoom call with me through every um, treatment that I was alone, um, wearing a mask and making me laugh and crying with me, but I made it through. And I was like, you know, uh, at the end of my chemo, I was like, you know, I really wanted to be here with my husband and say like, we made it through this part together, but I couldn't, he couldn't go. And he was waiting in the parking lot with our daughter and, um, And I remember walking out and just feeling like, okay, I guess I finished chemo. Like, this isn't what I see in the movies. Like, it's usually like a celebration. You know, everything has to be like dramatic. And all of a sudden, um, the nurses came out and started to applaud um, 
because they knew that it was my last one. And then my husband and daughter had made these signs. I put it on my Instagram um, that said, way to go, mom. And I just like was like, okay. And then I got in the car and my husband and I cried and we were like, we did it. Like, honestly, um, being diagnosed through that time um, was some of the hardest moments of my life. And I think so much of it was just the unknown being so scared of what it is. Anytime I had to start a new treatment, um, cause after that I had to start radiation. Um, the first day is always really hard because you don't know what it is. And you have friends that will tell you, um, I was lucky to have, um, my friend, Krista Rodriguez, who was also, um, a, who's also a breast cancer thriver. And she was very open with me and, um, I feel so lucky that I had her as a barometer of what to look for, but it's still your own personal journey. And so I tell people, I'm like, the hardest part is the unknown. So the hardest part is, you know, getting the tests, waiting for the diagnosis. Um, and then once you know, it's like, then you get in, you can get into action. Then you get into action mode. And then it's like, what's going to happen at surgery? What does it mean to have chemotherapy? What does it mean to have radiation? And then now it's, I'm at this place. I started, I stopped everything in June, um, June 23rd, but now I'm at this place where I'm really in my, what does it mean to heal? You know, what, what is that process like? And, um, and that's part of it. You know, this is part of my, my journey just because my treatment ends doesn't mean it ends, you know? So, and I think that people feel like, well, I shouldn't still feel like this, or I shouldn't still feel tired or I shouldn't. And it's just like, um, you should feel all of it. So, um, now has been my time, um, to really advocate for others that are in the beginning of finding their voice, you know, especially um, women of color, because we are so underrepresented in research um, when it comes to breast cancer. On my mother's side, you know, I grew up in two cultures. My mom is Jewish. Uh, my father's Mexican. And on my mother's side, when I had to fill out all my genetics for my mom, like I knew everything. I knew like who died when and who had what, because people talked more about things. On my father's side, it was like a complete mystery. Mm. Nobody talks about anything. It's like taboo. Um, right. And a lot of people don't trust doctors because of different reasons. You know, um, the language barrier being one of them, not having um, health insurance. And so when I became a spokesperson with um, BCRF, that was a big part of um, my, I guess, the beginning of my journey and my healing. And so I think that now I've connected with so many women on, um, on social media and as much as I hope I help them in, in giving them my, uh, information and the information I have, they help me like so much more. Um, because I think the biggest thing with anything, um, is the feeling that you're not alone. And, uh, I had started this fearless squad, on social media like three years ago um, for young people so that the people that were writing me or DMing me and saying that they felt alone, that they didn't have to feel that way, that they could have a whole squad behind them. And I didn't expect it to take off like it did. And I also didn't expect the fact that I would need them just as much, you know, through mm -hmm. my own journey. Um, but they've been there like right by my side. And um, so 
So that's it. And like my long spiel of my cancer journey, that's what that is. I mean, you've, we have, you know, notes before we talk to a guest and you've talked about all the things that we, not all of them, but many of the things we wanted to ask you about. Okay. No, it's wonderful. But the thing that stuck, struck me as you were talking about being fearless and this incredibly scary journey that you went on and feeling Mm -hmm. so isolated and so alone having your daughter in the room with you, which was something you really wanted to protect her from seeing her mom go through that. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking how amazing that she got to see her mom be strong and go through that and maybe demystifying something like that for her in the future. Like, you know, Absolutely. we can do hard things and you in and, and I don't, in, in some ways, maybe it was a gift. I know in the moment it probably did not feel that way. And I would feel the same yeah. way wanting to protect my children, but Mm -hmm. you are fearless and you did move forward through this time. And I also love that you say fearless is not, not, not having fear. It's having fear, but doing it anyway. You know, I think that's at the core of it. I don't know. So many people have asked me, um, you know, how do you tell your daughter? That was like a big thing. And that was a big question for me. You know, I talked to some social workers and how would I tell her, And when I first told her, she had seen a movie where the mom had had cancer and and died. Um, I I think it was Guardians of the Galaxy, like the beginning of it. And um, it seems like there's always movies with like that kind of stuff. It's like, really? So that was her thought immediately. And she didn't want to tell me about it. That Mm. was her fear. And then um, when I had to talk to her about you know, losing my hair and those kind of things, immediately she started crying and she was like, well, what is, what is this? And it's the same thing for her, like the unknown, not knowing what it is. And, and so I, I love what you said, Kara, because I I do think it's true because finally um, she asked my husband, like, does mom have cancer and does she have the good kind or the bad kind? And my husband is so amazing. And he was just like, well, she has the better kind. (laughs) (laughs) There is no good or bad. It's just, you know, this is the kind she has. And she was like, okay, now I can go on. You know, it was, it's all stopping all these fears before they become part of her pretend story. You know, I I thought that that was really important. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, it's kids can, you know, they have imaginations to begin with that can go off the rails. And I'm sure, you know, and to have her have that moment, but also in the middle of this pandemic, like I'm just thinking about you as a mother adding that on that layer on, you know, and I'm sure emotionally what a journey this year has been for you. I mean, the last, you know, 14 months or whatever, it's like, yeah, how incredible. Um, first off, yay, ringing the bell. Do you know what I mean? Like that was awesome. (laughs) When you posted that picture, it was like amazing. She's made it through. And I think that, I think your apprehension to share is totally valid, obviously, and everyone has their different journeys. But one thing that always comes back is how awesome our community is, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, the love, the community shows up and Mm -hmm. the love comes out and um, never hurts to have more people on your team, right? Sending that positive energy out and the prayers out um, into the world. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned the book, I didn't realize you were writing the book before your diagnosis. Like I, I sort of just thought, Oh, this came about sort of from the journey she's been on and maybe she's writing this book, but will you tell us about, I mean, you wrote a book, Mandy. (laughs) It's so exciting. And I just had my meeting for the book launch in April and what that's going to look like because of, you know, where we're going to be like, who knows? Yeah. But it's so, it's so incredibly exciting. You know, when I, um, first had my daughter, um, you know, going back, I don't know if you guys had the same thing, but going back and trying to audition for things and, um, you know, I, I wasn't booking, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what it was, you know, maybe it just wasn't my time. Maybe it wasn't the right show, but I would get really close to things. And then somebody would ask me like, well, how old is your daughter now? Like, you know, and usually it was a man and, Mm -hmm. and I would always think, oh, well, she's this age. And sometimes I'd lie because I'd want them to think, well, I can handle this. Like, are you asking me this? Because you wonder if I'm going to be, if I can handle this, you know, (laughs) but for some reason it just wasn't happening. And so I started to, as we do as moms, get creative. And I started to write and I started to write stories. I started to write children's stories and I started to create shows. Um, you know, in cabaret, in concert. And I started to create my own um, work, work for myself. And I'm so glad that I had that time because I created these um, incredible characters that I love so much. And, um, and the main character for this story, I've created a fearless series. So I have two books that are now going to be published by um, Simon and Schuster slash Random House which is amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You can already pre-order the books, everybody who's you listening. Can you can already pre-order the books. <laughs> and um, the main character is uh, Monica Garcia, who's 12 years old. And she grows up in California near Fresno, um, close to where my family is from. She's Mexican-American. And she gets that phone call that people dream of, of we want to see you in New York because you've just booked a Broadway show. And it's about what happens when she goes with her abuelita to um, start rehearsals for a new Broadway show. And it's an adventure story. It's about friendship. It's a ghost story. She ends up um, doing a show at the Ethel Merman Theater (laughs) 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 because that's somebody that I loved growing up. And she meets um, her squad along the way. And the squad is made up of characters that are based on friends of mine. 
And each um, person has something to teach and share. And together they open um, a Broadway musical. And so it's so much fun and an adventure. And right now I'm on book two. But I had started that when my daughter was um, first born. I had started creating these characters. And then the stories just kept going. And then um, when I, I guess about three years ago, I you know, you have to write like the first two chapters. And then I said, I want to start pitching this. And I, I really want this to be a series. And I had a vision and my vision is to one day, hopefully make it into a television series or a movie because it was so important for me as well to see somebody that looked like me um, in books that I could see um, other kids seeing themselves that's such an important thing because there was nobody that looked like me. And uh, and its representation is so important. When I saw Daphne Rubin Vega um, on the Tony Awards when they were doing Rent, it was just like, she looks like me. And Adina looked like me. Like, I was just like, they, it's like a melding of me, you know? <laughs> and so um, it's so important for kids to see themselves. And um, what better way than for kids that are um, in junior high and at the beginning of high school to see themselves in these characters and know that that dreams are possible. So this is my um, this is my new journey. So I'm very, very excited. Oh, it's, my God. It's incredible. I'm just so I, I think writing a book, you know, it's one of those things. I, well, let me back up a little bit. Like I, I tend to write very long Instagram posts, which are not the same thing, but I, I no, do. They I, are. I, I mean, it's personal. It's yeah. It's personal stuff. And my husband for years, like my husband or people would be like, you should write something, but you have to have the drive and the want. Right. I mean, and yeah. that's the difference. And the, the idea of sitting down and writing a book is so daunting. And I just, I'm so impressed that on top of raising your daughter, being, doing eight shows a week, now being an ambassador and all the things you're doing that to see a, to have an idea and see it come to fruition. And when you say like, I want, and it's a series, a series, like that's yeah. more than one. I right. mean, <laughs> but it's like, you have to, it's not just a one-off. Like this is something, this is a transition, you know, and I don't, I don't want to say a pandemic pivot because I'm sure, you know, <laughs> that's a great thing, <laughs> but you know what? It's that it's that in this moment, to have yeah. another outlet and to have another um, passion mm -hmm. uh, appear and present itself, I'm sure has been a gift. You know, so many of us are struggling to figure out who are we and what do we want to do? And are we staying in this business when the time when we return? And um, what a, what an amazing, uh, fulfilling um, experience thank I you. would think that is. Yeah. And it to is, have the representation. And, you know, when um, when we did In the Heights, we did a lot of and we did a lot of uh, talkbacks with students at Hamilton as well. But In the Heights, it was so different because nobody knew us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, they did want to stay, but it was like part of the school. Now people are like, yes, we want to hang out with you. And do right. <laughs> um, but I remember a student asking Lynn, why is this the first show about Latinos written by Latinos? And and I remember Lynn saying, well, you have to write the next one. Like, it's up to you to write your story. And if I wait, who's going to tell that story? Who's going to, nobody has a journey like mine. And so who's going to give another person that chance to, to go there with their imagination? So, you know, 
I don't know how I did this, honestly. <laughs> um, Just keep everything. going, like one foot in front yeah, of the other. Yeah, one foot in yeah. front of the other. And I think um, during, you know, doing rewrites and things during um, my cancer journey, I think it allowed me to hold on to hope. Because those days when I just couldn't get out of bed, I could still move my hand. I could still write. You know, I'm definitely somebody who, um, you know, I always have notebooks. I always am writing. Um, not that I have great penmanship, but that's how I do my my writing. Whenever my daughter asks what I want for something, I say, oh, I want a new journal. She goes, another one? Like, don't you have 10? You know, my daughter, who's like 35 now. Um, <laughs> but um you know, it's about that. It's about starting slow, starting those first two chapters and saying, when somebody gives me um, or puts that in front of me, you know, I didn't have a anybody to say, this is how you do it. But nobody told me how I could get to Broadway. You know, I had to yeah. do the research. I had to do the work. And, you know, when I came up, there was no internet and finding those things. Like I had to go and go to backstage and mm -hmm. find those things, go to classes and for this, it was the same. Like I had to look and see, how do you do it? How does this happen? And it was like, everybody said, write the first two chapters. If you write a page a day, it just, all of a sudden it equals up to something, you know? Right. Yeah. So do it. I, I'm just, I mean, blown away, not only by the year that you've had, I mean, you're talking about how vulnerable you felt sharing your journey on social media, but you've used your platform for good to let people not feel so alone in their journeys, to be a voice for the Latinx community as far as self-care and also in medical research, which they are very underrepresented. Um, and then this book, which you were, I mean, I just, my mind is blown. Like we interview Aww. these guests and I'm always like, how, how does everybody do these things? <laughs> but, and, and, and you battled breast cancer this year. You underwent chemotherapy. I mean, I just, my, I, I'm inspired by you, truly, what oh, you've been through. You, and yeah. even in your retelling, like you just have a positivity and a light about you that even in the darkest time of your life and and dark one of the darkest times in our world, you know, mm -hmm. you forged ahead and you were a shining light for others who were going through that as well. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I think we all have people in our families who have been through, um, who have been through so much you know, and there's a reason that we're here. It's because they never let that light go out. And so I think no matter what you're going through, you have to, as hard as it is, allow yourself to keep looking towards the light, you know, whatever that's going to bring you or your family. And again, with self-care, I, I look really at cancer as a we disease, not a me disease because it really affects your whole family. So putting yourself first when it comes to self-care is also putting your family first. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really important for me to tell other mothers because sometimes they think, well, if I make the appointment, if I take this day for myself and I have to go all the way to the doctor and all the way back, they think, well, then I'm going to miss this practice or that. And it's just like, no, you're doing it for all of you. It's, it's important for all of you. So, and thank you guys for what you're doing. This is so exciting. And, you know, this is taking chances and, and doing new things and, and putting your voice out there, which is much needed. 
Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your time and your story. Oh, I, yeah. the best. I'm glad it all worked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Girl, I mean, this this year, you never know what's going to happen. Like when nope. we come up, when we go to record these remotely, I mean, for sure, we can't wait to be back in the studio. But thank you for taking the time because, you know, it, it's so funny because people think like, well, everyone's home right now. Why are you, are you busy? But people are busy. Oh they got I've never do. been busier. I've never, never been busier. Same. People Same. think, well, your daughter's at school. I'm like, yeah, but she has breaks. I'm right. like, and they think, well, on her breaks, she just does nothing. I'm like, no, she comes up and wants snacks. Right, like, right, right. It's not like I'm just, you know, it's, it's yep. not like I can just throw something and, you know, exactly. Thank you guys so much for creating Broadway Baby Mamas because that has really been a place um, that I think so many of us in the community can just talk and be together. And so I'm glad that you're taking it to this next step. Because for me, that was a place I'm not always one that talks a lot on the chats and stuff, but I'm somebody who reads everything and, and can relate. So thank you guys for that. That really helped me a lot. Awesome. I'm so glad. Thank you. Of course. And, um, be well. And I can't wait. Like when we go back, you and I are across the street from each other. So <laughs> let's get We're all gonna hang. Hey. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll have a great morning. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.